and welcome to another episode of Satya Samvad. We have to converse on this. We have our own Sri S.P. Bhagavat. S.P. Bhagavat is from Maharashtra, grew up there and an aeronautical engineer and then he took his family tradition and became priest, Rohit. And it's just not to perform rituals, but he is engaged in bridging the divide by the same power, same love that he experienced with Bhagavan Muktinath entering in his own life. He lives with his wife, Tela, and three daughters and grandchildren too. He is engaged in all over the Asia. Today, he will bring not only the theological side of it, but how the theology and philosophy rests in the real life. We have Sri Rajkumar Mandal, who lives in Delhi with his wife Gita and two sons. The man who has experienced all of the north and across the globe, worked and lived with people of different kinds. The man who is passionate about justice and very specific area of justice is again, the, the discrimination against the, uh, based on the caste and gender. And he's been engaged for quite some time, quite a few years in the area of educating and enabling society to recognize the other half of the God's image as equal and pronounce justice in the society. Shri Mandalji, Apka swagat hai. And then we have a young lawyer, Mangas, who is passionate with her subject, not only as a profession, but that profession which leads her to fight for disadvantaged and the people who are on the margin. Monika Koshi, who lives in Pune and practices in Maharashtra as a lawyer. Monika, welcome in our conversation today. Moving on, I would uh, uh, like to ask a question which we probably will discuss. And I would go to Sri Mandalji. What is Shalom? And as I said, this, in Indian context, we understand vacuums where God rests and that is what our pursuit, that's what our image is. And it says that when uh, uh, Bhagavan Muktinath was born, uh, where he incarnated, it was pronounced that peace be with the, you all, which is shalom to you all. How would you understand that and how would we understand today in our context, especially in the world that we live in? Yeah, thank you very much for asking this question and the question of Baikunt, uh, as you raised, Jaha Kuntha Naho, Jaha Khud Parmeshwar Ho. So I think uh, the understanding that we have learned of this kind of a piece, often in our general understanding, we understand uh, peace as absence of any conflict. Or as you said, that there is no frustration there, there is no pain there. There is no suffering there. So it is in the absence that often people understand uh, that that means peace. But I think what uh, 
uh, the Mukti Ved uh, gives the understanding of peace is it is not just the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of God. So when we are in the presence of God, then we experience uh, this shalom or peace. And second thing that I want to share is that this peace is not just a true relationship with God in the presence of God that we enjoy, but it is also the horizontal relationship with one another. So another word that is used in conjoined with this is righteousness or right living. So when we are living right with one another, one another means the rest of the humanity. So when both these relationships are right, our relationship with God and our relationship with people, then we enjoy this state of bliss, of enjoy the presence of God and which we call peace or shalom. Thank you so much, uh, Mandal Saab. Bhagavadji, uh, what is the philosophical understanding of this? How you will connect with God? How we will live with God? Oh, does God live with us? Thank you, Satyaji. Uh, Raj, thank you for starting us off on that. This whole understanding of shalom. Uh, I, the key aspect for me would be trying to understand uh, this incarnation of Jesus Christ. Okay? And when you understand the principles behind this, uh, and I want to present four very clear principles uh, about the incarnation, then shalom becomes like a natural result of, uh, of this uh, uh, of the incarnation, really. Uh, in a, so, uh, in the in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the first principle that we see is that the incarnation actually bypasses the powerful. So Jesus was not born in a palace as a prince, uh, as the son of a king. He's born outside the power structures that existed in those times. Okay? That's one. So Jesus is born powerless in that sense, yet uh, fully divine uh, in the, at the same time as being powerless as a human being. Uh, you also find uh, the contrast to that, in that Jesus is born poor, and poverty is one sense honor. Poor people are honored by the fact that Jesus is uh, born as a poor child in a manger. Okay. And then you also have this whole, uh, the, all the stories of the birth of Jesus Christ are surrounded in one sense by pain, by confusion. Uh, Mary, this uh, unmarried young lady is suddenly pregnant. That is a difficult situation to be in. It's a puzzling situation to be in. Joseph is confronted with this challenge. What do I do with this fiance of mine who's already pregnant? You know? Do I put her away? Do I not? His own confusion and his own pain, uh, maybe even a sense of betrayal. How did this happen? Uh, you have the 
declaration of uh, uh, Zachariah that a sword will pierce the heart, pierce the heart of Mary. And then you have these struggles of uh, the travel and trying to go back to your own village for the census. And then you have the uh, the flight to Egypt, followed by, uh, because of the threat of uh, the, uh, that Jesus would be killed, Muktinath would be killed as a, as a baby. And then you have the pain of all these mothers in these uh, in these towns around Jerusalem whose children have been killed, the baby children have been killed. There is pain uh, surrounding the incarnation stories. And yet within this pain, what you find is blessing. The blessings of God, God are poured out. And finally, in the names of Jesus himself, the names of Muktinath as described in the Bible, in the incarnation stories, these names themselves uh, embody shalom in all in all its fullness. Jesus, meaning the one who saves from sin, okay? sets you free. Muktinath, who sets you, who gives you mukti from sin. You have the name Emmanuel, and in fact, that is Emmanuel says God is with us, and in that sense. In the birth of Jesus Christ, and since then, the presence of God through the Holy Spirit with his people, what you have is Vaikunt on earth. God is with his people. That is the place where he resides, not somewhere far away beyond uh, the galaxies. Those are the words that uh, Satya, you yourself had were. And in one sentence, Shalom is the way things ought to be the way things God designed them to be. And they are fulfilled and Shalom is complete in the fact that Vaikunt is here because God is with us. Thank you. I think what you said, the Shalom is the original design of God. That is, Monica, you are a lawyer and you work with the uh, in utter more conflict areas where people, young uh, uh, girls or boys are trafficked. You worked among those those kind of people. How do you see that shalom in those areas where you go and see the humanity is completely marred because of these greed and injustice? So I have a very a slightly different idea about shalom here. So I know uh, as a lawyer, when I just stepped into this field and to work in this sector, it had a lot of questions um, and it's not the ideal uh, field for a young budding aspirational lawyer to work in one of the reasons being well it's not really well appreciated and uh, looked up to and uh, amidst all of that we see uh, this young generation the ones i grew up with and the ones i studied with all of us have more questions about pain and injustice and less answers. And I entered straight into that with this year. Um, so for me, Shalom, if I understand it and see it in this world, would be uh, a solace that I find resting in God's arms and being secure in my identity with Christ. Uh, while I know that it seems like an idealistic answer, but 
it helps especially when there's so much turmoil going around and seeing so much injustice i know that one day there would be someone who will come down to set everything right and my work is just to help that and i may not be able to completely do every sing, uh, every single thing but shalom for me would be giving it my 100% being secure in my identity with christ and letting god take the rest in control and as i see uh, injustice in and around me i know that this uh, peace for them can only be through vessels uh, through vessels who are not complete like me who will be able to help them so that for me will be shalom the foundation again is the fact that uh, identity lies uh, in being created in the image of god in the image of muktinath so that is a common foundation uh, the other co- common aspects are where this mukti is something that we experience individually on a ongoing basis Uh, but we also experience this uh, redemption this mukti and uh, different aspects of shalom corporately uh, in the context of uh, uh, community worship you know bhakti together and all of those uh, come together to form a comprehensive identity which is not static again it's a identity that in fact progresses and we grow into that identity as we experience shalom practice it ourselves and uh, develop this growing intimacy with god uh, which is our bhakti raj sahab you said uh, uh, the right living as well the righteousness so what is how how people will know that god exists and how people will know that god is interested in their shalom in justice and peace yeah that's a very good question <clears throat> because all that we have said so far people may say okay in theory sounds good <laughs> but in reality that we experience in our day to day life it doesn't appear so and for that i think we must also recognize that along with the presence of god the presence of evil in this world and that is also very real and the manifestation and consequences of uh evil which of course in our mukti ved are seen as a consequence of sin entering into the world and therefore it has brought that brokenness in our relationships so how the peace that was the original design as sp bhagwat said that that was the god's original intention in that there was right relationship and before even the creation coming into being this right relationship is experienced in the person of triune god triyet parmeshwar or in that triune god there is that perfect unity that perfect love that perfect right relationship with one another so that is the model and in that model god one day decided to invite human beings into that perfect community and that was how we were created in his image and that is how we were meant to live in that kind of a right relationship but all that was broken because of sin and sin is basically going against god 
and not recognizing the sovereignty of God that you are God, we are your creation. And that brought it about all this brokenness of relationships and evil then corrupting this whole uh, creation, correcting, uh, corrupting the relationship between humankind and God, between humankind and humankind and creation, these three basic relationships. So now, as you asked very rightly, what is, how do we bring that? So for that, actually, for that reason only, we couldn't have done on our own. And therefore, God himself became the perfect sacrifice in Muktinath, offering that sacrifice to, again, restore that relationships. And because of his act of perfect sacrifice, now he righted all these three relationships. And all of us who trust in uh, the Muktinath, we are able to experience that restoration between peace with God, which we say that now I was in uh, opposition to God in against him. Now I am reconciled as his or her, his child, as his son or daughter. And similarly, people that I was seeing as my enemy, people whom I thought he is or the identity issue we said, anyone the other, we have seen them otherly, but now they all become part of the same humanity same image bearers of God. And I see that I'm also rightly related to the creation of the same earth that we were created. And therefore I have a responsibility as the sons and daughters of God to restore that broken relationship with creation also. So reign of God, not only within our hearts, but then we have to usher in into all areas. What Monica is doing in the area of brokenness in the lawlessness, in the society, the injustice uh, that we are trying to do in the area of caste and gender. So how to restore and reconcile those broken relationships, those inequality, those injustice. And when we do that, we are actually ushering in, in the, that kingdom of God into our spheres of influence. And I think that if each one of us will be doing more and more areas of this earth will be filled with the glory of God. I don't believe that it is a particular religion or a particular, uh, it is just a simple thing. Your purpose and your calling in any field integrated with your uh, responsibility in the society, will you will be used uh, to bring forth a change. And we have history, uh, so many examples where people whom we never thought would bring about change brought about change in ways innumerable. Uh, our own freedom struggle in India. Uh, Gandhiji uh, was played a big role in that. Though when we study him today, we understand that he was deeply actually believed in caste and accepted it as a structure system that was normal. But God used him. And I believe that in every single field, whether it is in the field of lawlessness or in the field of working against or for the rights of the marginalized or working in communities, God will use people uh, where there is a need. And irrespective whether of your religion, it is just your calling and you should be willing to serve the society. That is my the fundamental belief there. And I know in this field where I'm working, it's not just uh, there are young, 
God has used young people in different spheres and they're, they're making change. People who are not getting anything for it. The field workers of diff- multiple NGOs that I am working with, they don't get they don't get any remuneration for the services, but they're willing to go and serve and speak to the communities to understand their problems. And a big part of uh, shalom and justice is to be without judgment and to understand the other side. And God uses everyone for that. It is just that you're willing to be called, you're willing to obey to the calling, and you will be willing to serve the society. That's it. We cannot divide based on, I mean, our, our today for our farm, you ask the role of a farmer. A farmer is giving, producing so much of food for our entire country. Our entire economy is an agrarian economy at one point of time. But uh, who is leading that farmer agitation? They are just common people, the people who have understood the struggle and who know the need in that hour. It is not... It is no, it is no pastor. It is no, it is no Christian lawyer, or it is no religion-based, uh, prof, you know, person who is affiliated strongly and known in a particular religion who is going and standing in the forefront. It is just the person who has understood the need and knows what it is to stand. So, by. so you're saying the responsibility of ushering the the, the shalom and vacuance is everyone. Yes. Everybody is responsible. Yes. God does not create a religion. He has created man in his image. And that's the humanity, that's the, uh, the universe, the creation. And he enters into that. Uh, and that is where the vacuant is. Is that we are agreeing, uh, Bhagavatam? Uh, shalom has dimensions in each of these areas. So you've got the whole aspect of community and country and the world and creation. But you've also got these smaller individual dimensions of me and a friend, me and my family, and uh, me and the individual people that I have conflict with sometimes. And the whole understanding of Shalom is that the violence, uh, uh, okay, uh, let me use the other word, justice is uh, the opposite of justice is injustice. And the only word for injustice that we have uh, in the Bible is the word violence, sometimes translated as injustice. So the injustice that we do to each other, uh, it doesn't matter uh, whether it's at an individual level or whether it's at a family level or a community level, uh, or like broader sectors like gender and class and caste, uh, all of these are areas where we can restore shalom, where we we can restore uh, this uh, this coming together uh, of people uh, so that violence ceases. Uh, When violence ceases, that's when you have justice in the true sense. And again, what empowers this, what powers these reconciliations, if you want, what powers the shalom is uh, is the aspect of bhakti, the individual bhakti to the muktinath, the individual intimacy that each one has, and then the community of muktinath also 
in their communion with each other and with him. That intimacy is what powers the shalom and the working of justice in individual relationships as well as in community relationships. How do you see the individual bhakti translates to the family community and becomes uh, a part of humanity? Yeah, right. I think that's a very important question because as Monica was sharing that each one of us perhaps at our own level are trying to do our part in how to uh, write those relationships according to their calling and whatever understanding they may have. At a general level appears to be good, but as I said, we also have to recognize that even those individuals, because each of us, we have multiple identities. So as a lawyer, maybe I am trying to uh, bring justice to some case of injustice through my calling. But as a man, I may be in a completely unjust relationship in my family with my spouse. Or as my identity of a high caste born person, I may have a completely unjust relationship with my same colleague uh, with whom I practice. And likewise, there are multiple such identities that each one of us carry. And therefore, your question is very important because even after experiencing that mukti uh, through the uh, subsandesh of Muktinath, each one of us are recognizing our these multiple identities in which we have that kind of a broken relationships with the other. And therefore, it starts with me and recognizing my own brokenness and then writing where I see those wrong. And that will happen, as you said, it will have to start with me in my relationship, in my family. And then from family, uh, I move into that community I belong to and then clan and whatever. So there are multiple layers of those barriers. Those exist. And how, how do we overcome those barriers? That is a struggle for each one of us. We have to recognize. So it doesn't happen automatically. It will have to be done. And I think all of us would have experienced it is not an easy thing. And I, because these are ingrained, these are somehow uh, superimposed in our mind, in our consciousness. And therefore, to overcome this otherness and to recognize that we, as us, we are all together. I think uh, to, to be able to bring that kind of a right relationship, I think each one will have to do that uh, overcoming, I think, in all of these barriers that we encounter. And that way, I think, uh, is the road uh, to bring in that peace. Shalom is the presence of justice. Of, uh, of just relationships between two individuals or even two organizations for that matter. And uh, the most effective way I've found of doing this is coaching people in just being able to talk to each other without violent language. You know, that, that seems to be the beginning. Uh, so the absence of violent language seems to open up people's hearts uh, to each other, prepare them in that sense. So that is one. But when it comes to disciples of Muktinath, one of the key areas 
is again this whole understanding of like i keep saying the intimacy that each disciple feels with muktinath himself okay that personal intimacy in individual worship and the personal intimacy in corporate worship so when disciples are in conflict and there's an absence of shalom within a church let's say like there's a question here about why the churches don't have shalom okay and that's true sadly that is so there are, there are there are churches who have named their shalom church or shalom <laughs> fellowship they may not have i'm not sure whether they have and they recognize this way sorry please <laughs> but but a key part of that is uh, understanding that uh, even uh, within within our own uh, groups that we would call christian uh there are there is an absence of shalom there is conflict going on there is injustice happening and that is true shalom is a biblical concept and you find the word used all through the old testament okay this is in response to one of the questions that were uh, that are actually on the chat right. but it's also this presence of justice and often like a part of what i do is what i call cross boundary cross boundary uh, peace building you know cross boundary establishing of shalom we all work in our own uh, silos uh, even sometimes individually we are a silo and we don't even consider the perspectives of the other person uh, in our own family sometimes or in the in this congregation but making people worship together this cross boundary aspect of worship cross boundary aspect of working together for justice that itself contributes towards building of shallow so uh, intimacy with the with muktinath results in a better understanding of shalom and gives us the dynamics to work out justice between ourselves uh, raj sir would you uh, start and then I'll, i'll come back later to bhagwat ji on this yeah <laughs> i think you have touched a very very difficult uh, point that many of us struggle with because it uh, seems to be a big irony that the one who is called the prince of peace uh, who said that i give you peace that the world cannot give himself uh, right from the birth as you said uh, faced uh, very very much uh, injustice and violence and all kind of uh, things that went against him so it appears very ironical but i think the truth is that because god himself experienced this because there is no other way to overcome all this uh, uh, injustice and pain and the violence except through to go through it and that is what <laughs> that is the good news to know that while going through this turmoil this pain this suffering that emmanuel god with us holds still true because god is with us when i walk through the valley of death and all such painful 
are situations that people throughout history have faced when they were thrown into the lion's den, when they were torched as fires of flame, or when they were uh, nailed on the cross. And in all of this, uh, the, what a whole uh, uh, lineup of people in Hebrews uh, 11 that we read about. So all of them as Bhakt of Muktinath uh, knew that truth, but the world didn't become easy for them. And same is happening even now, even when we are talking in some remote area of Chhattisgarh or Jharkhand or MP, some of the bhaks uh, would uh, be facing these kind of uh, uh, incidents. So the, the truth is that believing or putting our trust in the Prince of Peace uh, doesn't mean that life becomes easy for us, but it is because he has gone through that and he says, I have overcome the world. And therefore we know that this is not everlasting. This is only momentary. And when I am going through, that is not the end of my life or end of the world. That this time frame of my life of 70, 80 or 90 years is only a very fleeting time in the eternity of that scale. So that actually gives me hope that this life is not the finished here, but because of which now I can live forever. I think that's the beauty of this piece. Well, to begin with, um, so I would think that in, in my generation, I know that uh, unless we are put into a situation where we don't have the peace that we have idealized for or we wished for, we are not forced to think about justice or the issues that concern in the society. And we have we are pushed into that only when we go through something. So I would rightly agree with Raj sir there saying that Yes, until we go through it, we will not be able to come on the other side to experience the change. And when we go through it, we also understand the different facets of the issue, learn to find different solutions to it and work towards bringing about justice and change. I'll give an example. I uh, exactly a year ago, we had the the. Uh, a very big violent incident happened in Jamia and uh, it was it was all over the media and it was someone rightly they entered the college and students were beaten up and it was really shocking i was in college at that time and uh, we uh, all of us together as classmates we just did, we, we found it very difficult to accept because we are exactly in that same position sitting inside a college very far away from our parents and we just suddenly thought of someone just madly entered what are we going to do it actually as a class we were forced to think about what were the issues why this is happening put all of us together to actually question some things that are happening, write about it. So different ways people were used at that time. Some people wrote about it. Some people partook in protests that were standing by these students. And some, some students were able to go and confront their ideologies with their parents that they have been taught. And it brought about a change. And I know that the violence and something wrong happened to a different set of students, but the effect that it had on this gen, on us as 
as uh, bystanders was very huge and it still holds a huge role in our lives so until we see or we are forced to experience it ourselves or see something someone as dear to us or something as similar to people in a similar situation to us go through it we will not be forced to think about it and that that's what it is for us and these actions are uh, standards based on the standards that god has provided in his own character and in his written word now that is uh, the whole understanding of uh, uh, bhakti in the in, in the biblical sense that it is not a withdrawal into into away from society and away from conflict uh, it is the opposite in fact a worship true bhakti will result in an involvement an active involvement in injustice will will result in an active participation in bringing about shalom and justice where there is the absence of this so uh it is in fact bhakti is not otherworldly bhakti is rooted in the character of god and because god is present in with his people uh, his people cannot withdraw from conflict his people cannot withdraw from questions of injustice but in fact be involved even more actively and i think there is a one question dr shantanudatta is asking on the same isn't true that in popular tradition people immersed in bhakti are otherworldly far removed from question of justice etc rasa mandal sahab how would you respond to this question yeah i think there have been historically such tradition where uh, people are uh, really seeking god and uh, that kind of a bhakti marg uh, they took the bhakti mainly to their relationship with god and all other things which were considered as distraction like even your family life so therefore they uh, chose a celibacy as against family life uh, the other worldliness so therefore they either went into such places as mountains or forests or even cloistered such convents etc in which to pursue that kind of a path of peace or uh, that devotion to god what we call bhakti but in those times also i think there is a parallel tradition that who sought peace not by retreating or moving away but diving directly into the places of conflict and there to see how that reconciliation take place so i think we have examples of both in uh, if we see the history but uh, just one another question that was asked i think i would also like to refer to that with do all religions have the desire of peace in the community uh, is it absence of the concept or lack of practice by followers so i would say definitely in all the main religions that we know there is this concept of peace it is not the absence because uh, as you know even the greeting the greeting of salam walikum that is uh, the salamati salamati is tum salamat raho huh? so that is the uh, desire or the greet to peace for the other that is of uh, similar shalom salamati these things are having a same root and same way even in the gayatri mantra the sarve bhavantu sukhina so all these uh, the desire that peace and uh, welfare for all people that is present in each of the religions but uh, 
as it is rightly pointed out it is the practice in there which we lack and but i won't say that within every sect of uh, followers of different uh, path we find this parallelly going on there are people who are pursuing this path of peace but there are also as i said earlier the evil is also as much real and therefore some people whose mind and consciousness are seared or corrupted by evil they continue to pursue the path of violence and injustice we cannot deny that fact uh, most of it would be engaging with their own might there are few who are engaging after seeing light but uh, i when i look at it it looks as though it was because you just see so much more wrong like i said in the beginning you have more questions than answers and in that case uh it is less because you have seen the light and more because you think that you know you have to bring about a change to make something good for yourself otherwise we will continue in the slum for years together and we will continue struggling so uh, i would put a 70 to 30 ratio for uh you know for your answer, for your question there what did i lack uh i lacked uh... non violence is is the way that i would put it now but now the, i also understand that if non violence is the word for justice or is equivalent to justice then what i lacked was in spite of some of the ethics that i did have what i lacked was this whole idea of being a just person okay because there was physical violence and my excuse was oh everybody fights i had verbal violence or oh, everybody gets you know says bad uh, gets angry and says things uh, i had attitudinal and caste violence or oh, all these other low lower castes all of that was very much a part of, part of my life and those were the lacks which i did not see early on but as what started showing me these lacks was one is experience the other is reading the mukti vedha and even after becoming a disciple there was still this lack because i read mukti vedha in very in in bits and pieces i still hadn't learned to read it directly for myself most of us no matter what religion we subscribe to or come from yeah, we do not actually read the original scriptures of our own religion that i believe is the biggest lack Okay. that is where it starts i think the change for me the transformation for me began with this it is the reading of this original writings as they are written without referring to devotional writers and commentators that establish intimacy between me and god the father between me and muktinath and that intimacy results in a in a bhakti if you want an individual bhakti and a corporate bhakti as i do it with others that that translates into a shalom action justice whatever development whatever language you want to use for that but it is the it is this foundational missing piece that will then put in the shalom and the justice and and the practice of it so um well one thing that i would say in this is injustice we have spoken uh, about 
uh, fighting for the rights of people. But justice involves a very important component of forgiveness as well. And we haven't covered that uh, up till now. Because I, though I work in such a sector and I'm still learning, understanding how the community functions and what are their problems, I understand that as we go, uh, we cannot fight for justice without having true forgiveness because both the sides, whether it is the oppressor or whether the one who is oppressed, both have a side which has made them uh, do something like this. And a true part of fighting for justice involves forgiving and allowing the person that benefit of doubt because our systems are so broken that we have created also such oppressors and we look at we cannot when we fight for justice i know we look at i know in our daily writings and in, in if, we, if we talk in the legal terms if we talk about how our we fight our write our arguments we will be like no this person deserves this sort of punishment and i'll give an example uh, in the Nirbhaya gang rape case, uh, it was a, there was a huge outcry that we want to hang the rapist. Now, I'm I as a personally, I am against capital punishment because I find there's no point of it. Uh, there is there is absolutely it, there is no statistic that says that it'll act as a deterrent anywhere. But there was a statement made by Indra Jaising, uh, and it was hugely. Uh, uh, there were a lot of criticism for that, that she requested the parents that you should, if you should true forgive, you should forgive the the perpetrators. Yeah. And that made me, I mean, it came from her and, and no one, no, no person, a, no believer of Muktinath came up with that statement. They just said, everyone said, no, we support, uh, uh, we support that hanging the rapist is going to bring justice. No, that is not the equivalent. Justice involves a huge component of forgiving the perpetrator because after all, in our image of uh, the creator God, we are human and we will make mistakes. We all require that just mercy in the end. And, uh, and I think that is how I would look at it. Like this is a, a slight difference in how we would. It is not about avenging our rights. It is not about punishing. Our systems are very uh, are punitive and less uh, uh, Monica, Monica, you have you have really uh, uh, brought something very interesting. The the forgiveness uh, is uh, something that, as a culture, we often miss. Uh, though our culture uh, is a tolerant culture, though our uh, the environment that we uh, are uh, we, we suggest that we are tolerant, we are forgiving. But actually, the in 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 action, the forgiveness is something that we are missing. And Muktinath, you're saying offers that. You're saying yes. But it is. Um, I would also say, like at this point, I would like to bring out that even there are other cultures that do believe in true forgiveness. And if we look at it historically, also there are cultures that have forgiven and are willing to help. We talk about the Sikh culture. The, the, the Sikhs, they have forgiven. And despite the wrongs that have been done by 
various political systems and the governments they are the first ones to help and they're the first ones out on the field so so, so so the true bhakti leads us a transformation within and the that, that uh, forgiveness born out uh, born out of that and that is the something that you is saying yes. and this is what exactly the uh, bhagwan muktinath said that he uh, he uh, forgive uh, father forgive them uh, they do not know what they doing there is a question uh, and i come to mr mandal mr mandal there is a question that the and the question is very interesting the last century has been a hotbed of wars many justified by just war theology how does the christian concept of shalom gel with the theory of just war as a follower of christ i mean people may have different opinion but christ uh, in a way settled it when he said uh, one who takes the sword will die by the sword <laughs> and asking his disciples to keep the uh, sword uh, back to their place and uh, the whole lifestyle that jesus modeled was basically in no way can justify a war so we may have various arguments at for uh, prevailing uh, or for um, preserving uh, right, uh, justice sometime war recourse to war may be necessary etc but uh, that is at one level uh, there could be arguments for that but i think overall if we see christ uh, does uh tell us uh, teach us about the path of peace and forgiveness and i will just conclude with that with the previous question what you said what does muktinath offer so muktinath offers uh, that can be summarized is that the word became flesh that here stanley jones talked about this we have huge philosophy we have huge amount of scriptures but all this word remains word but in muktinath all that word all this idea about forgiveness or peace everything personifies becomes flesh and that is what perhaps we have not seen uh, in any other person because the aspect of brokenness everybody experience but only god could have been that holy person who could make our relationship right with god and with one another and that is the way that christ makes possible thank you all so very much for joining us in this evening meet again we wish you all a wonderful time of celebration of the coming of god becoming man in a in in a mess letting us know how to live as a man as a god creation as god's image to bring joy hope and tranquility in our world which is hurting so badly today thank you all for joining us we look forward to meet you all in the next episode of satya sambhad may god bless you all thank you